listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Well, hello, Victory family. Happy Sunday, everyone. Hope you are all safe while you are all staying at home. My name is Pastor Ariel, and I'm one of the pastors of this congregation, Victory Alabang. And we are still under quarantine, as you are all aware, from ECQ. To MECQ, which really means Mokang ECQ, okay? Uh, we still cannot meet in person. Uh, as you can see, we are still empty here in our congregation here in Festival Mall. We're doing it live. Uh, there's still no religious gatherings allowed yet, according to IATF. Um, we cannot dine in or even uh, go outdoor dining in restaurants. You know, my my girls are hoping to be able to eat already in McDo, but, uh, you know, we just have to go and take out. The shops are still uh, closed. No salons, no barber shops open. Uh, and so, uh, we hope that you are all just safely uh, staying at home, enjoying your time with your families. And, um, you know, we are fully aware of what's happening. Only authorized personnel right now are allowed, uh, essential workers allowed to go in and out of their homes, uh, maybe going to work. That's why we're here, because we're considered... Uh, authorized personnel, uh, essential workers. Students are still doing online distance learning for the second year. Uh, and for those of you who are students, um, we're praying for you. Hope you are still able to concentrate no matter how difficult it is to adjust from an actual classroom setting to, um, you know, online, just looking at screens. And I'm pretty sure that you all, you all miss your classmates already. We try to cope up. And uh, be connected online. We're doing this, uh, you know, uh, with our meetings, uh, meeting our victory groups, our leaders. But there's also limitations to digital technology. We miss our family gatherings. And we try to keep up with video calls. Yesterday, I was trying to call my dad uh, via Viber video. <clears throat> or, you know, I can hear the ring, but he could not uh, answer because of the limited amount of, uh, I guess, the signal of the internet is not working. And so we just... Uh, text each other. We, from time to time, I visit him. Uh, and you know, we do vic- uh, video calls uh, with the siblings and my dad together. And so, you know, it's a bit of a challenge, but yet we're grateful for technology uh, that we can still get in touch. We cannot replace a meaningful face-to-face conversation. How I many of you know that? Uh, I'd rather talk to my wife face-to-face than, you know, video call. Uh, there's something different, you know, when you have uh, an actual person-in-person meeting, uh, but yet it is still better than no conversation at all. You know, the Apostle Paul has actually used this, and we're going to be gleaning from uh, this particular chapter, but this is not part of the text this morning. But in First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 to 18, it says, But since we were torn away... Uh, from you, brothers, for such a short time. And he was missing the Thessalonian church. Uh, And he was saying, in person, but not in heart. We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. And Even the apostle Paul was saying, I eagerly desire to see you face to face. Because he's been away. He's been apart from the church. But there's nothing like him being with the believers. And in verse 18, it says, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. And so we know that this pandemic is really hindering, uh, you know, this, this gatherings that we have. We, we miss the actual, uh, you know, gathering here in the center. We, we're longing, you know, the pastors, the staff, the, 
campus missionaries. We're longing to see all of you face-to-face right here uh, where we are. We miss the gathered church in one physical location. We, we miss the coffee fellowships. I'm pretty sure that you miss the coffee fellowships right now under ECQ. We miss the, the leaders' convergence. We miss the, the volunteer appreciation events. We miss couples' retreats. How many of you couples miss the couples' retreat? I, I, you know, I saw some posts of Pastor Chico just reminiscing the couples' retreats the past years. We miss the house visits. We miss the dinner together. We, you know, we miss the, the actual gathering, but we know that this is only for a little while. But the sad reality is that many today live their lives deficient of love and purpose. And, you know, they kind of live bored, maybe frustrated. Uh, some are living empty or maybe feeling lonely, you know. Um, loneliness has become an epidemic in the world today. If, if you are aware of that, you know, even with all this tech, even we're trying to be connected, even we're going through Facebook and, you know, IG and and TikTok for the, for the younger ones, you know, loneliness has become an epidemic in our world today with the rise of megacities like Metro Manila and, you know, like New York or LA or San Francisco. We're surrounded with more people more than ever before, but yet our loneliness has not decreased. In fact, sociologists have described this phenomenon as crowded loneliness. We're in a crowd, but yet we still feel lonely. You know, we starve for human community in spite of the fact that most of them live near us. In um, densely populated uh, cities, uh, more than any history in, in, in our planet. And so, you know, try to imagine with me for a moment. For example, if you uh, enter into a hotel and then you ride the uh, elevator and uh, the elevator is quite full and you enter that elevator, guess what? Even if you are near people, you don't talk to each other because you don't really know the people right there in, in your elevator. Uh, and so that is a, a snapshot or a description of where we are right now in the world. The reality of this pandemic is hitting us in epic proportion. People are now going through different mental issues. You know, we've gone through a uh, mental health primer. Um, the pastors and our, our spouses and some of the campus directors uh, we had a one of our um, doctors from uh, Every Nation of Florida who equipped us with regards to some mental issues like uh, anxiety or panic attack or depression or or uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, well, I understand what well, some may require medical attention from their sickness, and we don't want to downplay this. In fact, they have seen an, uh, a surge of uh, cases of uh, not only COVID, but people going through such clinical depression, you know, uh, bipolar, uh, anxiety attacks. Uh, But yet, I also believe that others may need to just rediscover the blessing of being part of a community. And how many of you are grateful for the community of uh, the believers, the church, the spiritual family that we have? I am grateful for victory. I am grateful for this church. I'm grateful for the spiritual family that God has placed me for many, many years. I've been in the church for about 35 years already, ever since I got saved. And we're so we're, we're surrounded uh, by, by this community. And so uh, it shows us that people can be surrounded by people in a crowded setting, but yet we don't experience community. And so I, I know that there are organizations where we feel like we're part of it, like a company or a club or a church. But yet, sometimes we 
don't feel we belong. And how do we do that? How do we create authentic community? We can share carpools together like when we uh, used to be in GCQ, you know, going to work. Uh, we can work in the same office. We can even be in the same house. But, you know, how many of you know that it doesn't just follow that you are sharing meaningful relationships if you are part of the same environment or the same working space? Even in social media, we know that, uh, you know, social media tried to offer or is trying to offer connectivity. And I mean, I'm pretty sure that all of us are part of this. Uh, maybe 99% of the people in this planet are probably part of a social media. Um, you know, you've got Facebook, IG, TikTok, or whatever. People trying to find themselves, uh, trying to connect, but yet more and more they're being isolated and left out of place. You know, they feel uh, jealous. They feel that, you know, they're not uh, as, as good as what they see online. And so, this can actually cause us to be also negative about the way we look at ourselves. But yet, we know that when the Apostle Paul has planted different churches and he has traveled and preached in, you know, different locations in the Asia Minor during that time, he didn't just leave the believers all to themselves, but he learned to establish people in meaningful, authentic, supportive communities. And so, that's what we are going to be studying today. We know that uh, this chapter or, or this book of First Thessalonians talks about the second coming of Jesus. And uh, it, you know, how do we prepare for that? Uh, we, we, we know that last week we talked about living by faith. We, we know that you know, it's all about us standing uh, in the grace of God. And today we're going to talk about community, that people around us can actually encourage us to continue on and spur us on and give us hope and, uh, and cheer us on uh, as, as we wait in the glorious appearance of our Lord Jesus. So if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you go ahead and open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, we will not be reading the entire chapter. We will be reading a segment <coughs> excuse me, from uh, verse 7 to verse 12. So I'm reading from the ESV version this morning, uh, today. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 to verse uh, 12. Okay? But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor, and toil, we work night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you in a walk or to a walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time today. I pray that you would give us uh, encouragement in the light of all these things that are happening around us. Thank you for a spiritual family. Thank you for a meaningful relationship that you have brought in our lives. Thank you for our physical families that are gathered with us today at home. Thank you for the uh, small groups that are 
uh, encouraging us, God, uh, in our walk with you. And so I pray, God, that you would, even for those people who are watching this and maybe are not part of our community, I pray, God, that you would encourage them, that they don't have to walk alone, that you are with them, and that you've called us also to build and create meaningful relationship with each other. We commit to you this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, as I said earlier, the book of 1 Thessalonians was one of the personal, most personal letters of the Apostle Paul. He would, you know, we have just read from uh, the scriptures some of the terms that he has been using uh, to them, and we're going to dive into that more later on. Now, 1 Thessalonians was written to the church in order to encourage them in the, you know, what they're going through in the future suffering and have hope in the second uh, coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how many of you can relate with what they're going through? Um, you know, we are in this pandemic right now. <clears throat> Events happening are, you know, happening worldwide. Uh, we see floods. We see uh, storms. We see wars. We see the news in Afghanistan. We, you know, these are all things that actually have helped us question, is this it? And so, I, you know, as uh, I, maybe you have seen uh, the announcements earlier, uh, we hope that you can join us this coming Wednesday. And for those of you who are just joining us for this preaching, you know, the recent events have left many people asking, is the world about to end? Is this it? Are we living in what the Bible describes as the end of days? Guess what? You know, it's been, you know, when the Apostle Paul and Peter were writing this book, uh, they were referring to what we live in right now as the end times. But, you know, is this really the end time or the culmination of uh, what we know as the history of man. And so, uh, if you would like to know more about our events, you know, we're going to talk about millennialism. We're going to talk about uh, or the millennium. We're going to talk about uh, the tribulation. We're going to talk about the rapture, you know. Uh, and we, we, we hope that you can join us this coming Wednesday. That's going to be 7 p.m. And so, we're here uh, to answer, you know, some of the tough questions. Are we there yet? Tough questions about the end times. We will dive into eschatology. You know, eschatology is the study of the Scripture. It teaches about the last days. And uh, we are going to explore on the different views. We're not going to prescribe. We don't have a certain specific stance as a movement or as a church on this. But we believe that as a church and as leaders, we need to teach you on what the Bible is saying and the different views that people have uh, on this. And so uh, is Jesus coming to take the church before the Great Tribulation for seven years? You know, is Jesus coming before the millennium, uh, the thousand-year reign of Christ? Or is he coming, are, are we in the millennium already? Or is he coming after this millennium? So see, these are some of the things that we will be talking about on Wednesday. So we hope that you will join us. Pastor June, our resident theologian, uh, will be uh, there as well to be able to uh, teach us and clarify. In fact, there's going to be a live Q&A. So if you want to have questions and ans uh, answers to your questions, Go ahead and join us. The floor will be open to your questions. And so we hope to see you there Wednesday night, 7 p.m., August 25th. Now, as we continue on in our sermon, as a church planter, the Apostle Paul, you know, as I said earlier, he frequently moves from city to city. He met with uh, different uh, people, uh, different ethnicities maybe, from different, you know, he went to Greece, he went to Italy, he went to, of course, came from Jerusalem. Uh, he had about three missionary trips, visiting different churches. And we will notice that as he was talking to the believers through his letters, the epistles, that he used several relational and family terms. 
that he describes how he relates with the church. He used terms like a mother, uh, brothers. He used the word fam, a father. You know, church, I believe, is like family. How many of you would agree with me on that? Church is family. This is our family. And, and God is our heavenly father. And he, we are siblings. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, and as a pastor, though I have been, you know, walking with the Lord maybe longer than some of you, but yet there are members who are walking, walking longer than me, you know. Uh, you know, I don't just consider this trivial that God has called me or the other pastors to lead this congregation. The greatest gift that a pastor can give to his people is the knowledge that he loves them. And the reality is, we love you. I love you guys. The pastors love you. And that we are willing to give his life for you. You know, that's one of the greatest gifts that any pastor can actually give to his congregation. And guess what? The greatest gift that the congregation or the church can give to their pastors is the knowledge that they in turn love him or love them. And that they're also willing to give their life for him as well. And so I believe that, you know, when you talk about church, it's building a relationship. We're not just going to a building. We're not just going to an organization. It's about building a relationship, a long-term relationship, an intimate, profound relationship that is modeled in a family. You know, I'm a family man for 30-something years. And, um, you know, I've, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege for me to be a husband to my wife, Shirley, only but one woman, and a father to my four children, Bea, Jerome, Anna, and Andrea. You know, and, and, you know, are we a perfect family? No, of course not. Did we hurt each other uh, at times? Yes, we did. But is it an excuse for us to leave the family? Of course not. We're here together. We're in this thing together for life. No matter what happens, whether we hurt each other and then we restore relationship and then we move on because God has called us to be part of this family. And guess what? The church is similar to a family. We are the family of God. And so this is so important for us to be connected to one another knowing that the time is near. You know, like for example, if you look at the description of the Apostle Paul in verses 1 to 6, it gives us uh, his role as a leader. You know, he's talking about his authority uh, in, this, uh, in this verses, his tenacity, his integrity, his perseverance, his humility, and his affection for the church. But yet we read the verses from 7 to 12, and this gives us not only the, the, the qualification of the virtues of the Apostle Paul, but it gives us a picture on how these virtues are played out in a beautiful family relationship called the church. And so I have a, hopefully a short preaching this morning before we get to communion. And I do want to encourage you to break bread together, you know, as a church and as a community. I know that we normally break bread physically here in the same venue, but we'll do this online. We will do this virtually and we tend to, we will still break bread together. But how do we establish genuine and life-giving community. <clears throat> That's my question for us. And my answer, uh, according to the scripture, can be found in three things. 
ABC. Acknowledge our need for others. How many of you know that I need you? You need me. I'm not going to sing a song today, okay? But we, we need one another. And we can't cut ourselves from each other just because of maybe an offense. You know, just as a child needs a mother, we need each other. In verse 7, it says, But we were gentle among you. And I hope that you can say that to the pastors. And that can be verified or validated by the way we treated you as our congregants. We were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. You know, for those of you nursing moms or for those of you who are mothers, you remember the time when you were nursing your child. A nursing mom gives sustenance to the baby that she's feeding. And so it's almost like whatever she eats, she's giving to the child. And so if a mother likes chocolates, guess what she's feeding to the child? She's feeding her sweets, okay? And she's the, if the mother is actually into healthy food, you know, uh, that's exactly what she is feeding her baby, you know, if she is being breastfed. And so um, we know that every mother will treat a baby, a child, gently. And this is the description of the Apostle Paul. Gentle is the appropriate word for a mother to a child. And this is what the Apostle Paul was saying for his attitude for the church. He was gentle to them. He was describing the attitude of the leaders that they ought to have to the congregation and the congregation to one another. How many of you know that during this time, in these days, we need more gentleness? You know, you know, every time you maybe go to a GC, can I, I just see YouTube, um, you know, um, clips on how some people can be so rowdy and so impatient with each other. And so uh, you see that, you know, for example, in the U.S., uh, you know, riding airplanes, uh, whether they have masks or no masks, they, they tend to be feisty. And so there's a lack of gentleness right now. You know, if you go to a restaurant and maybe the waiter, because of the you know current situation of that restaurant, maybe they are lacking in manpower. So you can expect a longer time of serving. Some people can actually be not gentle by the way they treat those waiters. And so we need to be gentle, we, we, especially in the church. You know, the Apostle Paul was talking about this, that we need to be gentle as a gentle mother is taking care of, of her baby. We, you know, there must be concern and care for the young believers in the church particularly. And just like the Apostle Paul, he was talking and describing his relationship with the young Thessalonian believers. It was maybe a year that he, you know, after he was writing a letter because he was just there for about a month and then because of a riot, he had to depart. But yet he was giving them uh, an encouragement. And, you know, I believe that the followers of Christ, followers of Jesus, need each other for support and growth. You know, I am grateful for the hundreds of Victory Group leaders that we have in our congregation here in Victory, Alabang. And how you guys have helped others to grow in your relationship with God. Me, for example, I am one of those who have benefited from this. You know, as a young believer, you know, I had leaders who, you know, took the time to really pour out their life, their resource. You know, they taught me how to read the Bible. They taught me how to to, to walk with God. They taught me, they taught me how to, to have integrity and have purity in the way I relate with women and so on and so forth. 
I'm grateful for campus missionaries, you know, that we have. You know, how many of you are grateful for our campus missionaries? I hope you are. And so we're benefiting from this. Campus missionaries, you know, like, for example, Red, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I thank you for, for discipling young teenage girls like my teenage daughters, Anna and Andrea. You know, Red really helps them in their teen situations. Uh, of course, as a father, guess what? I am fully responsible for the upbringing of my children. Uh, I teach them the word. We teach them character. We teach them responsibility. We, we instruct our children. But the reality is we don't have to do this alone. And I'm grateful for the fact that we have what you call subcontractors in our church that stand with us and help you know, us walk with God. I'm grateful for the help that we receive from our youth leaders. And I'm pretty sure for those of you parents, uh, and you have younger kids, maybe they're in kids' church, we're grateful for the team of Pastor Carlo uh, for really uh, helping out in uh, forming and forging the character of Jesus. And so it takes a whole village to raise leaders. You don't have to do it alone. It cannot be done just by ourselves, but it can be done faithfully by allowing us and allowing others to come into our life. Guess what? No matter how much you attend the church, the service, read your Bible, you know, it's still different when some people would come in and speak to your life. The reality is we are created for relationships. That's right. Heard me right. You and I are created for relationships. That's the reason why God said in the very beginning, in the Bible, in Genesis, it is not good for a man to be alone. I know that we have used that scripture for marriage, but yet that is also true for human relationships, any human relationships. You and I are created for relationships. The Bible equates being alone as not good. It is not good for you to be alone. Number two is we need to build deep relationships. You know, relationships don't just happen accidentally. How many of you know that? Uh, you don't just bump into a person and then, oh, we're close. You know, it doesn't happen that way. Uh, you know, it requires a lot of work, effort, you know, time, resource, you know, in order for us to be able to build. Uh, don't just settle. My encouragement for you today is don't just settle for shallow acquaintances. Meaningful relationships mean shared lives. And guess what? When you talk about life, Life is meant to be shared. Life is too good to be spent on your own. You know, you need to share it with others. You know, I believe that, you know, we are all benefiting from the fact that people have shared their lives to us. We need others, uh, you know, for, for, for us to grow in our walk with God. We need others for encouragement. We need, you know, there are times that I don't wake up encouraged. I need people to speak strength and courage in my life. Uh, the need for others is a God-given and deeply rooted fact in our lives. Somehow God has created a vacuum in us, longs for meaningful relationships. And Paul described his relationship with the Thessalonian believers uh, with verse 8. Look at this verse. In verse 8, it says, So being affectionately desirous of you. Wow, I don't know what this translates in Tagalog. Being affectionately desirous of you. Uh, for those of you, Tagalog preacher, ang ibibig sabihin to is, 
pagnanasa. I'm not really sure, okay, if that's, if that's the right word, okay. But Paul was affectionately desirous of the believers. We were ready to share uh, with you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives because you had become very dear to us. Observe the words that the Apostle Paul used. A term of endearment in the church. Affectionately desirous. It means he cared deeply as a nursing mother to a baby. You know, a nursing mom, as I said earlier, she will give everything she has to give to that child in order to make sure that the child is properly nurtured, alive, and well. And then we hear some of the words like share. Can you say that to the person beside you? Share. You know, for those of you siblings, share. It's good to share, right? The Apostle Paul shared the gospel of God to them, but he didn't just limit that to sharing the gospel. In fact, what he was saying was he shared his life to them. Some other translation says, even our souls. We shared to you our soul. We shared to you our heart. You know, another word that we see here is the word dear. And, you know, many times, if you, for example, if you are uh, in a romantic relationship, we write, uh, whether it's in a letter, if you still write letters right now, you're dear, you know, whoever that is. You know, when I write my, my note to my wife when I give her flowers, dear love, dear na love pa, okay? But it's an, a term of endearment because you become so dear to us. And, and the Apostle Paul was not afraid to share his emotions to the church, that he was dear and they were dear to him. And Paul loved these people so much. You know, when we love people, we don't use them as means to an end. We value them. When we love people, we, we, we give our life for them. And church is not just a place, as I said earlier, it's not just a place that you go to, but a family to commit in. You know, I don't expect to be close to everyone in church, but there probably is someone that you can be close to and build deep relationship with. You know, in my past 35 years of being a Christian, this has been the church that I grew up in, Victory. You know, I, yeah, I have been through Victory Makati and Ortigas and Quezon City, and now I'm pastoring in Alabang for about 20 years. But it is still the same church. We are one church, Victory. And what I want to say for us today is, Victory is not a perfect church. And there have been many hurts and offenses that I've experienced being part of this community. But guess what? I'm still here. Why? Because there's also a lot of blessings that I've enjoyed. The blessing of friendship. The blessings of deep relationships that God has placed sovereignly in my life. The blessing of healing. The blessing of care. The blessing of encouragement. You know, while many of us have had difficult experiences in family life, you know, I don't know how you grew up in your family life. Uh, you know, God intends family relationships to be like the basic building blocks of our life. You know, and, and this is why we are given this spiritual family. You know, we call this church family or church community. Another opportunity for us to experience relational health. And I believe that God uses relationship in order to restore us to good health. Physical, mental, uh, emotional and I believe that the church is a place where people experience the love of God through a community of people. And I hope that you have received the love of God tangibly and not just like, you know, ethereal love, you know, but tangibly from the people of God 
you know, the church is a place where authentic relationships are fostered. You know, I realized also as I was studying Scripture that we don't join the family, but we are joined into the family by God Himself. You know, God places us by sovereignty in a family. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21 talks about this. In Him, the whole building is joined together. He was the one who joins things together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Who joins us to one another? It is not us. It is not our choice. It is God Himself. He's the one who joins us to one another. We need to understand and realize it is quite impossible for us to find a perfect church or a family of believers. Why is that? Because we're part of it and we're not perfect. That's the secret. And we can actually get offended and also we can offend other people. Though we get hurt, we cannot live a life apart from these life-giving relationships. I think it was the uh, author Paul Young that said, I suppose that since most of our hurts come from relationships, so will our healing. Think about that for a moment. You probably got hurt because of relationships, but guess what? Your healing will also come from those relationships. Let me just take this example for a, for a moment, okay? Uh, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that you're all going, looking forward to having lunch in a few minutes, right? Now, if because of your excitement, you hurt your mouth, because you ate hot food, will that stop you from eating again? Or if you accidentally bumped your head while driving a car, riding a car, will you never ride a car again? And if you get hurt in your relationship because someone maybe have failed or offended you, will you never trust or love or be part of a relationship again? So these are the questions. And I want to challenge you to go and don't just settle for a veneer relationship, but go for deeper relationships. And my last point as I come to an end before we share communion is commit to authenticity. Commit to authenticity. Be real. It is not enough for us to say we need each other. We need to commit ourselves to stop the pretense and be accountable to each other. You know, authenticity comes when the masks are taken off. Of course, not in public places. I have taken off my mask because I'm preaching right now. When the masks are taken off your, or your facade are taken off, conversations get deep, hearts are vulnerable, when lives are shared, when there's accountability, and when tenderness, when tenderness flow or gentleness is there. And there's a difference between authenticity and transparency. You know, some people get confused with both. But yet, when you talk about transparency, transparency is the how much do you open your deep secrets to someone or a person that you actually trust. For example, if you, you know, when you open up to a friend, what will happen? You become close. And when you become close, what will happen? You open up some more. And when you open up some more, what will happen? You become close again. So it's really about close, open, close, open. Okay? And so, you know, when you talk about transparency, you choose the people that you're transparent with. You know, I'm transparent with my wife because God has put us together. You know, there's intimacy when there's transparency. Another way of us seeing intimacy is into me 
see. You know, that's intimacy. And that's why with me and my wife, there's openness, there's honesty, and trust is built. But when you talk about authenticity, authenticity is the what of the things that you shared are real and true to yourself. Authenticity is your essence. And guess what? You may not be transparent to all, but you need to be authentic to everyone. Okay? We need to be authentic at all times. People don't like fake people. How many of you like plastic? You know, we don't like fake, fake people. We don't like plastic people. As I said it earlier, while I do expect us to be transparent to, not to be transparent to everyone, we need to be authentic to all. And how do we build authenticity? We need to have empathy. We need to start developing the, the, the listening ears. Uh, you know, authentic, uh, empathy is actually the, the ability to us be, to be able to feel other people and know where they stand and know what they're going through. Uh, you know, I'd like to read from verse 9 as I come to a close. Verse 9 to 10, uh, it says, For you remember, brothers, and we see here the word brother, our labor and toil we work night and day that we might not be a burden uh, to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel. You are witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless we are of our conduct toward you. And Paul referred to them as brothers. Even if he was the pastor or the leader, they were brothers. Paul was an apostle, but he did not use or take advantage of his position of the people under his care. He did not want to become a burden to them. That's why he worked hard. He was tent maker. Paul was not afraid to claim that the Thessalonian believers were witnesses that he was holy. He was righteous. He was blameless because he was authentic. There was absolute authenticity in the way that he has led the church in Thessalonica. In verse 11 to 12, you know, we have used the word mother and we've used the word brothers. Now we will see that Paul also used the word father. In verse 11, it says, For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You know, Paul referred to himself not just as a pastor, not as an apostle, but as a father to his children. And as a father, Paul exhorted, he encouraged, he charged. When you talk about exhortation, you know, to exhort means to urge, to advise, to caution earnestly. And we've done that. We've talked to people, we urge them to be cautious about the things uh, that they're making decisions about. To encourage means to inspire or to put courage in. And I believe that all of us, 100% of us, whether you're a pastor, a member, or a staff, or a campus missionary, we all need to be encouraged every day to be inspired with courage and confidence in times of fear. We go through fear. We go through weaknesses. And that's the reason why we need one another for encouragement. And then the Apostle Paul also used the word charge. As a father, he was charging his son to instruct authoritatively. It's kind of like David charging Solomon to lead like a man, to lead with the fear of God. Charge, you know, it's a strong admonition to obey God. And what was the charge of Paul to the Thessalonians? And I believe the same charge is being given to all of us today. To walk 
in a manner worthy of God who calls us into His kingdom and into His glory. You know, to summarize what we are talking about, how do we build community? And we can actually dive deep in this, but we don't have time today. How do we build community? Acknowledge our need for others. We need to build deep relationships. We need to commit to authenticity. In fact, if you want to join us in our community, let us know. Reach out to us and we will also reach out to you. You can actually go ahead and just go to victorialabang.church slash connect and we would love to connect with you and be part of this community. Now, as I share and as I uh, shift to communion, I want to share this final point in light of His coming. We need to belong to an authentic community that will help us walk honorably before God. You know, the, uh, the church back in the New Testament, in the first uh, century, when the Holy Spirit came and He established the church, He was the one who birthed the church. They were uh, into different things that they have shared together. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, the Bible says that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, like what we're doing right now. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to being together, koinonia, shared lives. They devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing right now, communion. And they devoted themselves to prayers. These are the elements of a healthy church. for listening make sure to subscribe and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram feel free to share this message with your friends too for more information about our church visit our website at www.victorialabang.church